Section three of Elizabethan Demonology by Thomas Alfred Spaulding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Eva Davis. The preceding very superficial outline of the growth of the belief in evil spirits is enough for the purpose of this essay, as it shows that the basis of English devil lore was the annihilated mythologies of the ancient heathen religions, Italic and Teutonic as well as those brought into direct conflict with the jewish system and also that the more important of the teutonic deities are not to be traced in the subsequent hierarchy of fiends on account probably of their temporary or permanent absorption into the proselytizing system or the refusal of the new converts to believe them to be so black as their teachers painted them the gradual growth of the superstructure it would be well-nigh impossible and quite unprofitable to trace it is due chiefly to the credulous ignorance and distorted imagination monkish and otherwise of several centuries carlyle's graphic picture of abbot sampson's vision of the devil in past and present will perhaps do more to explain how the belief grew and flourished than pages of explanatory statements it is worthy of remark however that to the last communications with evil spirits was kept up by means of formulae and rites that are undeniably the remnants of a form of religious worship incomprehensible in their jargon as these formulae mostly are and strongly tinctured as they have become with burlesqued christian symbolism and expression for those who used them could only supply the fast-dying memory of the elder forms from the existing system they still in all their grotesqueness remain the battered relics of a dead faith such being the natural history of the conflict of religions it will not be a matter of surprise that the leaders of our english reformation should in their turn have attributed the miracles of the roman catholic saints to the same infernal source as the early christians supposed to have been the origin of the prodigies and oracles of paganism the impulse given by the secession from the church of rome to the study of the bible by all classes added impetus to this tendency in holy writ the reformers found full authority for believing in the existence of evil spirits possession by devils witchcraft and divine and diabolic interference by way of miracle generally and they consequently acknowledged the possibility of the repetition of such phenomena in the times in which they lived a position more tenable perhaps than that of modern orthodoxy that accepts without murmur all the supernatural events recorded in the bible and utterly rejects all subsequent relations of a similar nature however well authenticated the reformers believed unswervingly in the truth of the biblical accounts of miracles and that what god had once permitted to take place might and would be repeated in case of serious necessity but they found it utterly impossible to accept the puerile and meaningless miracles perpetrated under the auspices of the roman catholic church as evidence of divine interference and they had not travelled far enough upon the road towards rationalism to be able to reject them one and all as in their very nature impossible the consequence of this was one of those compromises which we so often meet with in the history of the changes of opinion affected by the reformation 
only those particular miracles that were indisputably demonstrated to be impostures and there were plenty of them such as the rood of boxley were treated as such by them the unexposed remainder were treated as genuine supernatural phenomena but caused by diabolical not divine agency the reforming divine calfil supporting this view of the catholic miracles in his answer to marshall's treatise of the cross points out that the majority of supernatural events that have taken place in this world have been most undoubtedly the work of the devil and puts his opponents into a rather embarrassing dilemma by citing the miracles of paganism which both catholic and protestant concurred in attributing to the evil one he then clinches his argument by asserting that it is the devil's cunning that persuades those that will walk in a popish blindness that they are worshipping god when they are in reality serving him therefore he continues consciously following an argument of saint cyprianus against the pagan miracles these wicked spirits do lurk in shrines in roods in crosses in images and first of all pervert the priests which are easiest to be caught with bait of a little gain then work they miracles they appear to men in diverse shapes disquiet them when they are awake trouble them in their sleeps distort their members take away their health afflict them with diseases only to bring them to some idolatry thus when they have obtained their purpose that a lewd affiance is reposed where it should not they enter as it were into a new league and trouble them no more what do the simple people then verily suppose that the image the cross the thing that they have kneeled and offered unto the very devil indeed hath restored them to health whereas he did nothing but leave off to molest them this is the help and cure that the devils give when they leave off their wrong and injury here we have a distinct charge of devil worship the old doctrine cropping up again after centuries of repose all the gods of our opponents are devils nor were catholics a whit behind the protestants in this matter the priests zealously taught that the protestants were devil worshippers and magicians and the common people so implicitly believed in the truth of the statement that we find one poor prisoner taken by the dutch at the siege of alkmaar in fifteen seventy eight making a desperate attempt to save his life by promising to worship his captor's devil precisely as they did a suggestion that failed to pacify those to whom it was addressed having thus stated so far as necessary the chief laws that are constantly working the extension of the domain of the supernatural as far as demonology is concerned without a remembrance of which the subject itself would remain somewhat difficult to comprehend fully i shall now attempt to indicate one or two conditions of thought and circumstance that may have tended to increase and vivify the belief during the period in which the elizabethan literature flourished it was an era of change the nation was emerging from the dim twilight of medievalism into the full day of political and religious freedom but the morning mists which the rising sun had not yet dispelled rendered the more distant and complex objects distorted and pretentious the very fact that doubt or rather perhaps independence of thought was at last within certain limits 
treated as non-criminal in theology gave an impetus to investigation and speculation in all branches of politics and science and with this change came in the main improvement but the great defect of the time was that this newly liberated spirit of free inquiry was not kept in check by any sufficient previous discipline in logical methods of reasoning hence the possibility of the wild theories that then existed followed out into action or not according as circumstances favored or discouraged arthur hackett with casting out of devils and other madnesses vehemently declaring himself the messiah and king of europe in the year of grace fifteen ninety one and getting himself believed by some so long as he remained unhanged or more pathetic still many weary lives wasted day by day in fruitless silent search after the impossible philosopher's stone or elixir of life as in law so in science there were no sufficient rules of evidence clearly and unmistakably laid down for the guidance of the investigator and consequently it was only necessary to broach a novel theory in order to have it accepted without any previous serious testing men do not seem to have been able to distinguish between a hypothesis and a proved conclusion or rather the rule of presumptions was reversed and men accepted the hypothesis as conclusive until it was disproved it was a perfectly rational and sufficient explanation in those days to refer some extraordinary event to some given supernatural cause even though there might be no ostensible link between the two now such a suggestion would be treated by the vast majority with derision or contempt on the other hand the most trivial occurrences such as sneezing the appearance of birds of ill omen the crowing of a cock and events of like unimportance happening at a particular moment might by some unseen concatenation of causes and effects exercise an incomprehensible influence upon men and consequently had important bearings upon their conduct it is solemnly recorded in the commons journals that during the discussion of the statute against witchcraft passed in the reign of james i a young jackdaw flew into the house which accident was generally regarded as a malum omen to the bill extraordinary bravery on the part of an adversary was sometimes accounted for by asserting that he was the devil in the form of a man as the volscian soldier does with regard to coriolanus this is no mere dramatist's fancy but a fixed belief of the times sir william russell fought so desperately at sutfa that he got mistaken for the evil one and drake also gave the spaniards good reason for believing that he was a devil and no man this intense credulousness childish almost in itself but yet at the same time combined with the strong man's intellect permeated all classes of society perhaps a couple of instances drawn from strangely diverse sources will bring this more vividly before the mind than any amount of attempted theorizing the first is one of the tricks of the jugglers of the period to make one dance naked make a poor boy confederate with you so as after charms etc spoken by you he unclothe himself and stand naked seeming whilst he undresseth himself 
to shake stamp and cry still hastening to be unclothed till he be stark naked or if you can procure none to go so far let him only begin to stamp and shake etc and unclothe him and then you may for the reverence of the company seem to release him the second illustration must have demanded if possible more credulity on the part of the audience than this harmless entertainment cranmer tells us that in the time of queen mary a monk preached a sermon at st paul's the object of which was to prove the truth of the doctrine of transubstantiation and after the manner of his kind told the following little anecdote in support of it a maid of northgate parish in canterbury in pretence to wipe her mouth kept the host in her handkerchief and when she came home she put the same into a pot clothes covered and she spitted into another pot and after a few days she looking in the one pot found a little young pretty babe about a shaftman long and the other pot was full of gore blood that the audiences before which these absurdities were seriously brought for amusement or instruction could be excited in either case to any other feeling than good-natured contempt for a would-be impostor seems to us nowadays to be impossible it was not so in the times when these things transpired the actors of them were not knaves nor were their audiences fools to any unusual extent if any one is inclined to form a low opinion of the elizabethans intellectually on account of the divergence of their capacities of belief in this respect from his own he does them a great injustice let him take at once charles lamb's warning and try to understand rather than to judge them we who have had the benefit of three hundred more years of experience and liberty of thought than they should have to hide our faces for very shame had we not arrived at juster and truer conclusions upon these difficult topics that so bewildered our ancestors but can we with all our boasted advantages of wealth power and knowledge truly say that all our aims are as high all our desires as pure our words as true and our deeds as noble as those whose opinions we feel this tendency to contemn if not or if indeed they have anything whatsoever to teach us in these respects let us remember that we shall never learn the lesson wholly perhaps not learn it at all unless casting aside this first impulse to despise we try to enter fully into and understand these strange dead beliefs of the past it is in this spirit that i now enter upon the second division of the subject in hand in which i shall try to indicate the chief features of the belief in demonology as it existed during the elizabethan period these will be taken up in three main heads the classification physical appearance and powers of the evil spirits it is difficult to discover any classification of devils as well authenticated and as universally received as that of the angels introduced by dionysius the areopagite which was subsequently imported into the creed of the western church and popularized in elizabethan times by decker's hierarchy the subject was one which from its nature could not be settled ex cathedra and consequently the subject had to grow up as best it might each writer adopting the arrangement that appeared to him most suitable 
there was one rough but popular classification into greater and lesser devils the former branch was subdivided into classes of various grades of power the members of which passed under the titles of kings dukes marquises lords captains and other dignitaries each of these was supposed to have a certain number of legions of the latter class under his command these were the evil spirits who appeared most frequently on the earth as the emissaries of the greater fiends to carry out their evil designs the more important class kept for the most part in a mystical seclusion and only appeared upon earth in cases of the greatest emergency or when compelled to do so by conjuration to the class of lesser devils belonged the bad angel which together with a good one was supposed to be assigned to every person at birth to follow him through life the one to tempt the other to guard from temptation so that a struggle similar to that recorded between michael and satan for the body of moses was raging for the soul of every existing human being this was not a mere theory but a vital active belief as the beautiful well-known lines at the commencement of the eighth canto of the second book of the fairy queen and the use made of these opposing spirits in marlowe's dr faustus and in the virgin martyr by massinger and decker conclusively show another classification which seems to retain a reminiscence of the origin of devils from pagan deities is affected by reference to the localities supposed to be inhabited by the different classes of evil spirits according to this arrangement we get six classes one devils of the fire who wander in the region near the moon two devils of the air who hover round the earth three devils of the earth to whom the fairies are allied four devils of the water five submundane devils six lucifugi these devils power and desire to injure mankind appear to have increased with the proximity of their location to the earth's centre but this classification had nothing like the hold upon the popular mind that the former grouping had and may consequently be dismissed with this mention end of section three